The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Let me introduce you to another sponsor, BestEver.com. That is B-S-T-E-V-R.com. BestEver.com is a fantasy sports simulator that uses real-life data to simulate hypothetical situations. For example, ever wondered if Dan Marino could win a Super Bowl with a top 10 running game? We all have. You can do that with bestever.com. Let's say the Dolphins are in the running for a big free agent. Just add them to the current team and simulate games to see how it can turn out. Just open a free account and start building your own story and have bestever.com spit out game stories just for you. Best Ever is not only fun to use, but has many uses beyond just curiosity. Go to bestever.com. That's B-S-T. EVR.com. This show is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is a revolutionary new daily fantasy game whereby you pick two, three, or four players to go over or under their fantasy point projections, and if you're correct, you win. Pick two or more players from the same sport or league, or go cross leagues for your parlay. Use the promo code 5, that's F I V E 5, and receive a 100% instant deposit match. Up to $100. But first, sign up at prizepicks.com to start winning today. Welcome to Three Yards Per Caddy, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon. And we're on, and welcome to the season finale of Three Yards Per Caddy. I'm Alfredo Arteaga. Simon Clancy is here. Chris Kaufman is here. And of course, we'd like to thank all the sponsors that were with us all year, including my bookie. Remember, the promo code is three yards. Football season just ended. But of course, the NBA is in full swing. And so is Major League Baseball coming up. And of course, uh, international soccer, boxing, MMA, the works. But another sponsor of ours is Manscaped. And I think... I can now say there is not a single hair on any ball on this show because because Chris Kaufman is in full receipt of the entire kit, received it this past week, and I'm pretty certain it's been four or five days, so he's gone through it. Chris, have you used... What what an incredible incredible, uh, um, array of of equipment to to <laughs> choose from um in that box right of equipment. first off you open it up it, it's i love the little touches um because you open it up and on the, <laughs> <laughs> the uh you open it up and the inside of the box uh says uh, your balls will thank you um which i thought was a nice note it was very very thoughtful of them <laughs> um and also I just have to say about Lawnmower 3.0, you know, wholehearted endorsement there. Uh, you know, that that LED light on the front 
is actually quite bright and it's like it's like having high beams on a dark road um it's uh, it's it's nice uh, and those of us that live here in florida so. you know you know hurricane season's <clears throat> coming up you never know when you're gonna need something like that you know what i mean yeah well, well i mean when you're gonna need it is when you're shaving your balls because that's what that's for right you know during a hurricane and the lights are out <laughs> during a, during a hurricane but uh yeah i mean the whole got the whole whole rate and nice little uh set of um boxer briefs too included in there very nice yep so simon you were under the weather last week but obviously you've had time to use the ball toner right am i right i've still not used it mate i've just moved house so you know it's been at the it's not been at the forefront of my uh my you know <laughs> what i've been the doing. four the four what the forefront <laughs> um yes so no the answer is no although i did use the other one last uh, was it last night the deodorant night? deodorant a couple of nights ago oh i was like the smell of my hand i've used well. I, i've used the ball toner i could not resist <laughs> no i could works, not huh? resist it's nice right it works yeah it's wonderful of course Use 5RSN. That's the promo code, 5RSN. You get 20% off your order. Trust me, you're going to re- you're gonna remember this. When you log on to Mindscape.com, you buy the entire kit, you get 20% off. It's as much as $25 on the entire kit. It's worth it. Use it, 5RSN. Okay, uh, we're going to start to show off with some breaking news. Simon, how do you respond to this? The Jacksonville Jaguars have just signed Bernie Parmalee to be their running backs coach. <laughs> I had no idea oh. he was around. Your thoughts on this and your lasting memory of Bernie Parmalee? Uh, I mean, I genuinely don't care. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I want to make that clear from the get-go. Um, my lasting impression of Bernie Parmalee would be... I mean, he's made such a lasting impression on me that... I mean, I suppose... <laughs> No, I just. Where I, do you start? <laughs> where do you start? Where do you finish? Yeah, where just, do you finish? It was like you know, parts of my youth just came back to me. Like, wow, that guy is still around. Okay, I can always remember him wearing number thirty. Yes, mm-hmm. he worked he, for UPS. Um, he worked for UPS. He worked for UPS. Indeed. Yeah. Um, but apart from that, um, he was the best running back Dan Marino ever had, and that's not saying much. He coached Anthony Fasano <laughs> at Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. It is. No. It is really not saying much. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not. I um. It, interestingly, and just to change the subject slightly, but on on, I was having a discussion with somebody on Twitter earlier on about whether or not we should draft Devonta Smith, and this person was saying that unfortunately Smith was too skinny and it wasn't going to work, and asked me to name any of the top wide receivers who uh, in the NFL who were uh, 185 pounds or less, which you know obviously is difficult to do. But I also made the point that, look, quarterbacks, uh, you know, 10 years ago, there was no quarterbacks under six foot, six foot one. And now you've got Russell Wilson, who's a first ballot Hall of Famer, and, you know, two first overall picks on six foot or under. Uh, and we took a guy, you know, six foot and a scratch, you know, last year with the fifth overall pick. And uh, and he, he made the point that, um, he made the point, and I'll try and find the exact tweet so I get it right. But he made the point that last year, um, Essentially, the, the the Dolphins chose the wrong quarterback. That what they should have done was uh, take the six foot six, you know, kind of absolute monster physicality. Jacob Eason. Um, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he said, you know, Miami last year took the injury-prone short anomaly without a strong arm. When we all know that the prototypical six-foot-six big-arm athlete in Herbert, for now, that was the right choice. Why do it twice? And I replied, keywords are, there are, for now. Back in 1991, the Seattle Seahawks drafted the prototypical six-foot-seven quarterback big-arm in Dan McGuire. Atlanta took a short anomalous six-foot-one quarterback from Southern Mississippi. McGuire is now what for a living? Mm. What is he? I'm going to say an insurance adjuster. Oh, you're close. Ah. Ah. Truck driver? How could it be close as an insurance adjuster? Yeah, I'm really curious about that, actually. (laughs) All right, I'll go surveyor. I mean, you might as well have stuck with truck driver. So Maguire's now... So I put... Atlanta took a short anomalous six foot one inch quarterback from Southern Miss. Maguire is now an insurance agent for a light bulb company. I'm not sure. Uh, a I'm light bulb sure. company. I know. I'm not sure what happened. Why do light bar. bulbs need insurance? Who knows? Hmm? Who knows? In case one of them oh. goes off in your hand. <laughs> How many former first round picks does it take to write insurance for a light bulb? <laughs> very, very good. Very good. Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. I mean, 100%. I, and by the way, there are receivers that you can name that are pretty light. You know, Marvin Harrison was pretty yeah. light and uh, skinny, and Deshaun Jackson was was never Chad was never ever heavy. You know, Chad Johnson was pretty skinny. Um, you know, there's there's Isaac Bruce. I mean, he looks so much like Isaac Bruce, and he looks and plays so much like Isaac Bruce. And Isaac Bruce was the same exact build. Um, uh, and if he is Isaac Bruce, he's worth every single bit of that yeah. third overall pick. Two. Sure two bits of knowledge here larry flint has just died and i could have sworn he died about 20 years ago wow he was alive huh yeah i, I mean apparently so I mean, apparently yeah well he so. was in a, he was in a wheelchair and well, uh, good, well, good good for him he was only him. 78 i thought he must have been about 90 wow and the other he thing looked nine he looked 90 he did john clayton has said that the raiders are very very interested in signing juju smith schuster hmm. they would be wouldn't they of course. Also being reported everywhere, and I guess, you know, this is a no-brainer. Being reported, the Dolphins want to sit down with Jason Sanders to iron out an extension. He's easily the best field goal kicker in team history. Agree? Mm. Mm. Yeah, mm, so clearly. That's a good deal, I, I would say. Mm. But, you know, you know what time it is. It's after the Super Bowl, and what everybody does every single year is whoever's standing next to the people with the trophy is what they want to emulate, right? So that's yeah. what you want to be. And and not just not just them, not just them like as a team how they're built, but what they did in that individual game. As if the entire season plus playoffs is played in that game itself. Mm-hmm. So, I guess I'll start with you Simon. You saw that game and what can can you take from that game? as far as what you want to do with this team going forward, if anything? Um, I don't think there's anything you can do, really. I mean, Jason Knight put together an amazing team. Um, you know, and I think it's it's difficult when you've got a quarterback like Tom Brady to, you know, he's still clearly playing at a very high level. And whilst I, I'm never going to agree that he's the best quarterback of all time, because I don't think he certainly don't think he's the best passer of all time. Um, you know, he's clearly the best leader, the best... You know, his motivation, the ability to lift a team, the ability just to, he's the best winner of all time. Um, you know, but look around that team. I mean, yeah. let's be let's be honest. They were mm-hmm. 30 Jameis Winston interceptions last year. You know, if they got competent quarterback play in 2019-20, 
then they would have been they would have gone deep into the playoffs anyway. You know, you look at that team at, uh, pretty much at every position. You know, the offensive line was a question mark. I know they had a Tristan worse, but let's not mess around and think that the guys that were there already weren't good players. You know, Ronald Jones was just beginning to emerge. Godwin, Evans, Scotty Miller were there. Um, Bright, you know, OJ Howard, defensive line was really good. Question marks in the secondary, which we talked about preseason in terms of them being young and stuff. But, you know, Antoine Winfield just added something. Carlton Davis has developed into a top 10 corner. So, and they've got great coaching. Bruce Aarons is a great coach, never lost more than eight games in a season. So let's not make the mistake that in thinking that Tom Brady sort of turned around, uh, you know, a, a, a group of, you know, disabled children and turned them into uh, <laughs> Super Bowl champions. That's not what happened. He turned a very good team already. And just, he had the ability to take them over top. Yeah, I tend to agree. Chris? Well, you mentioned the offensive line and that's what I think is interesting here because this is what I keep hearing from everybody um, after the game was played, because clearly, you know, Patrick Mahomes was running for his life. Right. And we all saw that and they lost the game in many ways because of that. Um, also because he was making some of the most ridiculous plays and throws that I've ever seen. And, and then, like, his guys didn't catch the ball. Like, uh, that was that, – that had to be really disappointing, too. Because, and that started from the first quarter on when yeah, I mean, Tyreek Hill dropped a touchdown. Yeah, there are the so many – I mean, there, there are plays that you just look at and you're like, how did that even happen? You know, and, and you know, balls ultimately drop. But you mentioned the offensive line, and that's, the, that's everybody, you know, the lines. It's all about the lines. It's all about – well, what did Tampa enter – the season with on the offensive line because their left tackle donovan smith i mean i hate to break it to you offensive line nuts out there but uh donovan smith for years had been a pro football focus whipping boy as a left tackle uh, in terms of you know terrible grades you know terrible rankings and stuff like that i mean he he was not i mean this is you didn't enter in the the year thinking that that they had David Bakhtiari uh, on the left side okay um and then on the right side with Tristan Wirfs listen I love Tristan I loved him coming on I I think we all did I think all three of us Mm -hmm. really really loved him so we had a high opinion of what he would do even as a rookie um but you know we're not always going to be right he was still a rookie and and Austin Jackson was a rookie too, and Robert Hunt was a rookie too, and you know they went into the the Super Bowl champions went into the year with a rookie starting at tackle opposite, uh, you know, a, an analytics whipping boy um, on the other side, and and now we're they've won the Super Bowl, and people coming out of it are like that that's that's evidence that we need to take Panay Soul. <laughs> yeah and and like what what are you what are you watching like what are you actually looking at and um and i think that's you know it, it is prisoners of the moment type stuff and we we know that um but i see tom brady throwing the football to you know mike evans who is ludicrous right um mm-hmm. mike evans and you know uh chris godwin who they're gonna end up franchising and keeping um and and antonio brown um, Rob, you know, they, they are going to keep Godwin because I think they'll let Godwin go. Because if you've got, you LaVonta, think so? Well, hmm. I think you've got Lavonta David and you've got um, Shaq Barrett. Given you the, know, surprisingly, they're not in that bad shape, uh, for, for us, the collection of talent that they have. 
yeah. they're not in as bad shape as as you you would think that you would think they just bought a Super Bowl and then now they're going to have to be completely dismantled. Yeah, yeah. Bruce that's Arians not actually today, the case. Yeah, Bruce that's Arians coming. today basically told everybody to fuck off and he's keeping everybody and they're making yeah. a run. Well, it's keep specifically those two. Like yeah. I think he said specifically Levante David and Chris Godwin, you are not going anywhere. You know, yeah, like he, he was I'm not, quite. I'm not sure that he's going to be able to do that. I mean, you look at the numbers and you just think, mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not sold. That's going to. Happen. You could be right. I mean, but either way, he's a damn good player, right? Yeah, I mean, hundred oh, percent. And 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 so they had him and Mike Evans and Antonio Brown and Scotty Miller and Rob Gronkowski and Cameron Brait, uh, you know, catching passes for Tom Brady, along with not to mention Ronald Jones and uh, and Leonard Fournette in the backfield. I mean, geez. And O.J. Um, Howard on injured reserve. Yeah, and O.J. Howard mm-hmm. on injured reserve, which will be an interesting question, I think, uh, for somebody that might might trade for him. But, yeah, I mean, and, and people – and your take – and this the takeaway from this is invest in the lines. Don't worry about the skill position players. Yeah. Really? Absolutely. I mean, Alf, you had the best point. You said it on Twitter. You're like, last year, yesteryear, Tom Brady looked done, you know? Yeah. And, and I'll looked- expand on that and stop me when I'm wrong, okay? Last year, Tom Brady looked like if he was – he looked like a shot quarterback. Mm-hmm. He leaves – stop me when I'm wrong. He leaves a better coach. I, 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 I think we all respect Bruce Arians, but, you know, Bill mm-hmm. Belichick is probably the best coach of all time, right? He leaves a better defense. Patriots were number one last year. Mm-hmm. I, I would argue he left a better offensive line in New England. Yeah. So what's different? And he went from done to the second best year of his career. Well, what's different is all of that skill talent he was handed and he ran with it. And of course, you know, Bruce Arians had a great plan for him, but I think that was the difference. And, and I think, I think the, um, I think the thing that, that not annoyed me, but irked me a little bit was that people were saying about how, you know, Kansas City now have to draft a tackle after drafting offensive linemen. And the reason that they lost was because of the offense. Well, the reason they lost obviously was because of the offensive line, or at least in great part. But also the reason they lost was that they had an absolutely abominable game plan. You know, they, they made no compensation mm-hmm. for what Todd Bowles did whatsoever. They, they didn't uh, at any occasion try and establish the running game, um, which I thought was just a monumental mistake, especially given that the Buccaneers blitzed, literally blitzed four times in the game. They played mm-hmm. super deep two deep safeties um played no cover two shell it was just it was literally just two deep safeties the entire time never once did they did they force either jordan whitehead or antoine Win, uh, and antoine winfield to um antoine god what's his name antoine winfield to step up got it. into the box at all and then hit them over the top it was just pass 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 and it, you know it clearly didn't work but you know eric fisher tore his achilles Mitch Schwartz is one of the best right tackles in the league, was out mm-hmm. all season. Uh, Duvenny Tardif um, gave up his season to go and battle COVID in Canada. Lucas Niang, who they drafted in the second round, sat out, opted out the year. You, it, it doesn't mean you should still then come back. and you know, they, they didn't lose because they weren't investing in the offensive line or the tackle position. They lost because yeah. of a series of circumstances that just, unfortunately, you, know, you lose your first overall pick left tackle in in the, the championship game because he tears his Achilles. There's not much else you can do about that. You know, you know look at the, the Packers. They lost David Bakhtiari and, and they also were under similar pressure from Jason Pierre-Paul and, and Shaq Barrett the week before because Bakhtiari was out, the best left tackle in the game. 
the the flip side of that is that I do think the Dolphins will probably take Penny Sewell at three. That's just my personal opinion. I think the draft is mm-hmm. too deep um, at receiver, and I think they'll probably they might wind up getting a receiver as well in free agency, a receiver or two. So to I be just, fair though, Simon, the draft is also really deep at tackle. Yeah, no, like for sure. there could be there could yeah. be as many as like seven tackle. I've even heard people say that there could be like eight tackles taken uh in the first round and just in, in the upper se- second i mean it's yeah. it's deep and it also depends on what they want you know you could make a you could make a pretty strong argument that they could take tevin jenkins for example the right tackle uh, at oklahoma state you know big nasty powerful drive mm-hmm. block of great strong hands and, and play him on the right side and kick robert hunt inside but you're right you know sewell leatherwood slater darashaw eichenberg jenkins right you know, yeah, Jalen Mayfield, Mayfield. Sam, Sam Cosme. You know, there's a the, lot of um, players. The the North Dakota State, yeah. uh, Dylan Radens. Dylan Radens uh, yeah. he's, he's definitely in there now. He's definitely yeah. in that first round area uh, now. Absolutely. So you know, I, I think there's um, but I, I suppose the the thing the thing with Penny Sewell is that you know this kid is going to be just 21 when he gets to the mm-hmm. NFL. So you know he's got he's still got to mature into his body and he's got great room for both mm-hmm. physical growth and you know, literal growth in terms of his ability. You know, he's so powerful. He's such a people mover. Um, and I don't always of... agree with that mindset though, about drafting the youngest guy because he's, you know, because no, he's the youngest and, 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 and that's, uh, and that's, but it is, but it is to your point, it is right up Chris Greer's alley. Yeah. It, it is exactly what he does. Yeah. And also he's got, you know, eight, two things that Flores is going to love. One, he's got a great football IQ and B apparently he's a great kid. You know, he won the Outland trophy at 19 was team captain you know, a, a, a Oregon, a team, you know, that, that's a proper team in terms of the Pac-12. The, the Pac and, you know, we're not talking about, you know, with the great respect to Dylan Radance or the great respect to Spencer Brown, we're not talking about, you know, smaller schools, you know, North Dakota States or your Northern Iowa's or whatever, you know. So I, I think it's very interesting. And like you say, also, it depends what they think about Austin Jackson. If they love Austin Jackson, you know, Penny Sewell could, could kick in at left guard and absolutely kill people. Do you know what I mean? I think that you mm-hmm. know, I've, I've but you're not taking guard. a left guard at three overall. No, which you're is a discussion not. that we've had, which is a yeah. discussion that we've had. Yeah. Um, but you know, you could see it. I personally could see a scenario where the Dolphins picked up a receiver in free agency and then came back and took Penny Sewell at three, Najee Harris at 18, and then you know, they took the best available, whether that's Terrace Marshall, whether that's you know, if they get the mm-hmm. all clear from Kadarius Tony, you know, whoever that might be, Dwayne Eskridge. Mm-hmm. You know, you could see them and then coming back and taking yeah. a, you know, a Nico Collins or, a, you know, somebody like that later on. Um, because, you know, for me, they, they're going to have to really seriously address the position. But I, I do just wonder whether or not they just play it safe and take the guy with, the, you know, what they probably will perceive as the higher upside. There's one thing that gives me pause about that, because I agree with you otherwise, um, that it's, it's right in lockstep with their, you know, their way um, to, to say that they'll, they'll get end up penny solo lot three the one thing that gives me pause is that by the time he suits up and plays next year um he won't have played for like almost two years yeah and and that's a that's a real thing for these nfl teams like i i I understand like people just want to it's more of a convenience thing like i don't want to think about it because it's inconvenient to try and think about what this means but um but I mean, there's a there are kid a lot of kids out there that uh, that sat out the whole year, and and NFL teams, football teams don't like layoffs like that, um, and they are risky. Uh, there, think about it this way: Penny Soul, he didn't really play very many great pass rushers 
during the year where he, you know, he killed it. Right. Um, what would he have been doing this year if he played, you know, a full year with a full schedule, you know, full of pass rushers, would we maybe see some of the, some of the weaknesses we didn't know were there, you know, but would, you don't know that answer. And, and that's the, that's the unknown. And, and, you know, the unknown also, you know, what was he doing during, during this time? Was he, was he training? Who was, who was keeping an eye on him? Who was, who was, uh, you know, helping him to, to stay, to stay in shape and stay football ready and everything like that. It, it makes me wonder. That is, that's the sort of uncertainty wild card thing. Mm. There is a GM hates. I will, I, I will so that, a flip side to that in that every single day in practice, he will have been going up against a, a guy who's going to be selected in the top three, top five in the 2022 draft in Kayvon Thibodeau. You know, so in terms of practice, uh, you know, because the best pass rusher in the in the conference, the best pass rusher who's going to go up against on, on a Saturday is actually the best pass rusher who's going to go up against in practice. Now, I know for a fact, because I've spoken to somebody that he's worked, you know, he's been in a uh, in a facility training literally ever since he, he opted out. But there's a big difference, as we all know, between training for the draft and getting reps against, you know, I'm sure he is going to be getting mm-hmm. reps against, you know, um, but it will be, and, and there's so many of these questions that you, you know, that that, and you know, the three of us have talked about this on WhatsApp before. There are so many questions about so many players who have opted out this season, and it's not just about you know. Look, Trey Lance has played mm-hmm. one game, um, you know, having only played. I mean, Trey yeah, Lance. That is, one's a tough one. That was a real tough one, actually. You know, we really like. That's Trey a real Lance. tough nut to crack. Yeah, we really like Trey Lance, but look. He's only made 17 career starts and only taken 1,050 snaps. And, and he's made only... At, at the FCS level. Yeah, at the FCS. <laughs> yeah. Worse still, he's only made 319 career passing attempts. That's 18 per yeah. game in 2019 uh, from a very run-heavy... <laughs> you know, he's played one game and one season at NDSU. And you look at some of the... You know, look at Mitch Trubisky. Uh, I think it was Trubisky had... Was it 13 starts or 12 starts? Um, it might have been 15 or something. I, I can't remember, yeah, but it was, yeah, yeah it was, it was, it was very to go that far. Ryan Tannehill, he yeah, had Mark, what 14 um, or something. Mark like Sanchez that. again, the, kind of the, I think the he had are... 20 or something. He did, yeah, but you, you go, yeah, through... Mark Sanchez had very few, but you go through the positions, you know, you look at Jamar Chase, Jamar Chase is a, is a bait. I mean, I think Jamar Chase is two years younger than, um, than Devonta Smith. He won't have touched the field for, for, for nearly two years. You know, Jalen Waddle missed half the year. Rashad Bateman has gone down more, has barely played since his freshman year. Do you know what I mean? There, there are mm-hmm. there's some huge question marks about, you know, a number of big players. And it's not just about, so, you know, again, look at the left tackles. You know, we talk about Rashawn Slater. You know, Slater sat mm-hmm. out all of 2020. Slate, he sat out the whole year. Yeah, exactly. What would um, he have looked like if he was forced to play against pass rushers this year? Yeah. Exactly. You know, might might you have seen? Because I mean, he's a guy, for example, that anytime I hear anybody talk about Rashawn Slater, the only the almost the only thing they talk about is what he did against Ohio State and Chase Young. Yeah. Um. And and so okay, well, you know, that was that was a really phenomenal game of his. But what would have happened if he played? Because it's, it's not like I haven't seen him been beat. Mm. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. so what would have happened if he was forced to play 12, 13 more games against some uh, some decent pass rushers this year? Maybe we would have seen some chinks in the armor that we didn't see before. I mean, that's true of anybody that set out. Yeah. And, at, and that's I mean, the unknown. 
Look at defensive tackle. I mean, three of my four top defensive tackles, Levi and Wazariki, mm -hmm. I have I have rated one, opted out. Christian Barmore played. Jay Tefeli of USC opted out. And Tyler Shelvin of LSU opted out. And the three of the four, you know, these are guys that won't have touched the field. You know, someone like Tyler Shelvin, you know, I mean, reports he was almost at 400 pounds in the summer. I mean, that's a kid that you, you know, planet theory type guy, dominant talent, high upside, a you know, huge ceiling. But, you know, that, that would be a big question mark for somebody who's not played for two years. Like Micah Parsons, again, Parsons might have played for, for two years, having opted out. And, you know, it's it's going to be, there's going to be some fascinating decisions at the top of the draft because I, I think Gregory Rousseau, you know, you mm -hmm. know him well, Alf, plays, plays at Miami. Mm -hmm. You know, he's played one year as a redshirt freshman. Mm -hmm. You know, he's, he's incredibly long. He's lots of impressive traits, but he's not close to the sum of his parts. You know, people are talking about him as a top 10, top 15 pick. I mean, as, as an edge pass rusher, he's actually he's actually more effective rushing from inside. Absolutely, he is off the perimeter. You know, yeah, I think I think uh, the out of people. Yeah, what was the stat? Fifteen out of the fifteen sacks his last year. I think twelve came rushing as a three tack. Mm. So that tells you all you you really need to know. But I think that uh, taking anybody at number three, although you know, to be completely honest with you, I feel really good about Devonta Smith at number three. And, you know, he's really playing it up. I don't know if you saw him playing in that Madden tournament and unprompted, he gets to choose his team and he picks the Miami Dolphins. <laughs> and everybody's just staring at him like, okay. Uh, and he's smiling ear to ear. And then he puts the start to a tongue of Iowa as his quarterback. And you could just see it. Like, you know, he, he wants, he wants it to happen. I want it to happen to be honest with you, but what, but did, what doesn't that remind you of last year? Because it, there there was that all off season long. There was exactly that about Tua and yes. the Dolphins. Do I mean, it was the Dolphins. It's a great point, actually. And it's one I was mulling on earlier. Do you think that? Uh, and look, I know that they weren't cowed into it by fan and media pressure, but they can't have been completely oblivious to the fact that a large majority of the fan base wanted the Dolphins to take Tua. Do you? And and because it didn't work out as ideally perhaps as we all hoped it would in the first year. I think we could probably all hold our hands up and say, look, mm -hmm. it didn't quite go as well as we hoped. Do you think that for year two, as it were, for this year, and what I mean by year two is of year two of the kind of the extra picks, that they, you know, there's clearly going to be a lot of pressure around Devonta Smith. We know that the, the, the beat writers were down in Mobile asking questions about Smith and what do you think of him and do you think you might take him and those sorts of things. And Flores was having to answer questions about him. Do you think that they'll feel like they were, in a way, cowed into the taking tour and that they won't make that, in inverted commas, mistake again and therefore Sewell would be the guy because it's the, the easier pick, the safer pick, the, the pick probably with the higher ceiling potentially? I mean, look, Smith's got a really high ceiling too, but... You know what I mean when I say that. There, mm -hmm. you know, Safer pick, you know. Walter Jones kind of left tackles that he could be don't tend to come, don't tend to come up around all that often. And yet you can look at, you know, look at some of the best receivers in the league: Michael Thomas, Devontae Adams, uh, the kid in San Diego. Um, you know, in terms of route runners, Keenan these Allen. guys, Keenan Allen. These guys are all second rounders, third rounders. You, could, you know. Mm -hmm. It, it, it's going to be an interesting discussion in that Dolphins uh, in that Dolphins draft room about exactly which which way they go and whether or not there was a feeling that perhaps they didn't collapse to media pressure, but maybe some of the external pressures that the media were placing on them around Tua sort of permeated into their thinking. 
Mm-hmm. And no, I think, you know, who knows what the, the owner was thinking as well. Maybe yeah. the owner had a say, you know, maybe the owner, you know, like, you know, placed a phone call and said, I don't know what you guys are thinking about doing that number five, but I know what you're going to do. <laughs> yeah. You know, maybe it's something like that. But I think Brian Flores is going to have a pretty big say. But uh, this is something that I wanted to get to because uh, I have a pretty well-placed source that tells me that the Dallas Cowboys have been making phone calls into the top five. And what they've been met with is a lot of resistance in that most of the teams, and I don't know if the Dolphins are one of them, but teams in the top five have been asking for multiple first-round picks for their picks. The thing yeah, being... I mean, that's, they, they, they value them a lot. Well, this is, this is the thing. And you describe so much uncertainty, right? Mm-hmm. All over the, this first round, somebody's going to, somebody's going to take Gregory Rousseau, right? Somebody's going to take uh, Rashawn Slater. Somebody's going to take these guys that sat out and that there's, there's question marks about some, but those, those guys are going to take them. And it's not that they don't have a choice, but I mean, they're, they have less, they have fewer choices, mm-hmm. right? Um, as you go down, when you're sitting in that top five, you got the choice. You got the choice. You can take the steak and the sizzle. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's you have that ability. The Miami Dolphins are going to be choosing probably the first non-quarterback in the draft at number three. So if they decide that you know Penne Soul is the safest bet and also the highest ceiling you know bet, then they can do Penne Soul. If they decide that that's actually Devonte Smith because he played this year. He has the incredible resume of beating, you know, basically all of the best corners and um, that have been coming out of college football the last couple of years. Um, and, and he has instant chemistry with your quarterback. Like if, if they decide, well, that's actually the safest thing that they can do, they can do that, you know, and, and that's, that's the choice that you have when you get to pick that high, these other teams uh, up there, well, they, they've got that too, um, to an extent. And so, yeah, they're, they're not going to give that up in this year because they're, you know, this draft is going to be full of busts there. It's going to be full of busts. That's, Mm. that's the way it is. There's, and it's going to be like boom picks too. You're going to get guys in like the fifth round. That's like, Holy, Holy shit. This guy's a, you know, an all pro, um, you know, that's the way this draft is going to set up. And, and that's why I think teams want to be picking higher because higher is where you get to eliminate the uncertainties i think um, that the the temptation is going to be too great for chris greer to have three consecutive years of having two first round picks in the first round mm-hmm. and i think anybody that offers a move let's say carolina offers their pick where are they at they're eight right eight or seven eight i think okay if they offer eight and 2022 to move up to three i think chris greer says give it to me you know, and I think the, temp- the temptation is too great. I think I think that they're going to look at the board and they're going to say, you know what? I think we can get what we want at eight. And how are we going to turn down another year of two first round picks in the first round? Let me. Tell and there's you- relative certainty at eighteen that they can get like a Najee Harris too. Yeah. Let me let me tell you something as fact though. I know as fact because I've had the conversation with a person that will be a fairly important factor in the decision about what happens at three, that significant table banging will be done for Penny Sewell. And I'll just leave it at that. Hmm. You can't argue with the player. I will say this. Uh, you know, you really can't. But, you know, then again, you know, if, if and this is just me. 
I look at this team and Barry Jackson, who does a great job. Mm-hmm. Although we talked about this on the on the podcast for a couple of weeks and uh, Chris and I did an hour and 30 minutes. And I think we spent 40 of those minutes talking about how bad realistically our skill position players were this past season. They mm-hmm. won 10 games stands to reason if they were better. They would have been in the playoffs. Who know, who knows what they would have done in the playoffs? Who knows what kind of season Tua Tungabailoa might have had? But Barry Jackson did a great job breaking it down. It's last across the board, okay? Last across the board or near last across the board in separation and yards after the catch. It was kind of embarrassing that, you know, and Devontae Parker's a good NFL player. He's worth every single penny of his contract, by the way. He's, you know, he's relatively cheap for his production. But 2.4 yards after a catch for an entire season? No. Like, you can't have that. You just In an RPO have offense. Yeah, in an RPO offense. And, you know, he's, they're not it. You know, I, and I've said it on this mm-hmm. podcast a number of times. If, if you told me we were scrapping four of the five or all five of them, I wouldn't mm-hmm. be shocked. You know, and mm-hmm. I, I think we have to look at the fact that, you know, is it beyond the realms of possibility that the Dolphins look at, Okay, how are we going to attack this? Could we get an Amari Rogers, a Dwayne Eskridge, you know, Shy Smith, uh, Diami Brown? Do you know what I mean? In the in the mid to let, is a Rashad Bateman going to fall a little bit? You know, and we get our hands on somebody like that, a Dimitri Felton. You know, do you know what I mean? And they coach him. Pick up, yeah, absolutely. Pick up a couple of guys, but also then take a you know sign a Corey Davis, for example, and a Kendrick Bourne. Um, you know, under the radar kind of, you know, Davis high hopes coming out of college hasn't quite maxed his potential, really. Kendrick Bourne, a, a ter- terrific blocker, good player. The I know 49ers fans that, that I know really hope the 49ers resign him, but, you know, would be a fit, is a good player, has good hands. We talk about guys like Curtis Samuel, you know, the, the, there are players, mm-hmm. Juju Smith-Houston, uh, Chris has banged the drum rightly for Nelson Aguilar, you know, coming off a really good season. He's 28. Martin Jones. Marvin Jones, you know, there are players there that you could, you know, if the Dolphins came out of free agency, let's just say for argument's sake, they signed Curtis Samuel and Kendrick Bourne. You kind of feel like Devonta Smith and Jamar Chase are off the table a little bit more than mm-hmm. perhaps they would be knowing full well that you can come back and, you know, you can take a Frank Darby or a Emir Smith-Marset or an Anthony Schwartz or a, you know, one of those guys, Seth Williams or Tamorian Terrell or whatever, add a couple ask, of draft guys. Really I got to ask just a quick question, though, about that line of thinking. Like, what if they don't? Like, what if they don't grab significant help at receiver and free agency? And they also clearly, you know, don't grab an offensive tackle or something in free agency. Like, what do you head into the draft thinking that they're thinking? The thing is, the interesting thing about offensive tackle for me is that the Dolphins clearly don't need it's mm-hmm. not a need, but sometimes just the 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 brilliance of the player outweighs the the mm-hmm. need. Do you know what I mean? And you kind of, if you find yourself with the, the opportunity to take somebody who's looks like he could just develop into a monster and has already won the Alton Trophy and is you know widely regarded as the best player at his position to come out of the last few years, sometimes those guys are just too good to pass up, and you just make it work. And whether that's you know, because I think we can all see a scenario where. You know, they draft Penny Sewell and the line looks Sewell, Kindley. You come back and take a Creed Humphrey or a Drake Jackson or a Landon Dickerson or, you know, something like that, you know, later on. 
um, Robert Hunt at right guard, Austin Jackson at right tackle. Um, so I, I don't know. It's really interesting because I, I don't see them having to take a tackle at any point, either in the, you know, they could come back and take a, you know, a, a developmental tackle later on. And we've talked, you know, on the pod and we've talked privately about, you know, Dante Smith at East Carolina or, uh, you know, something like that, Robert Hainsey at uh, Notre Dame or um, Rashid Walker at Penn State, one of these guys, you could easily see them taking something like that on day three. But unless Sewell was available, I'm not, I'm not sure that they necessarily need, in inverted commas, a tackle. It's a really interesting one because just sometimes you're presented with those Walter Jones, Anthony Munoz type potential characters and you just, you just can't help but take them. Yeah. And with that, it's the end of the season. End of our third season on Three Yards Per Carry, and next week is the fourth season. And with that, we start with two shows per week. But till then. Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Carry. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.